We're in a series called Journey of Life, and we're talking about the different stages of your spiritual journey. Um, and there's, there's different stages that we're going to talk about. Uh, last week, we talked about the seeker stage. What does it mean when we're, we haven't crossed that line of faith yet? We're just seeking. Um, what does it mean if, if we do cross that line of faith? Does that mean we know everything? <laughs> does that mean we have all the answers? No. It means we're in, in somewhat of a position like Laura's in. Maybe confused, maybe excited, uh, but there's still um, a, a, a long way to go. So in the meantime, before we get to this eternity that God has promised us, this eternity that we know that Laura is headed to because God said, when you believe you're a new person, you're made in my image and your, your eternal destination has shifted because of a change inwardly. Um, what do we do while we're still on this planet called time before we get to heaven? Well, that's where the journey is, and that's what this series is about. It's about moving from stage to stage in our spiritual maturity. And we're talking about the difference between being fully devoted and being fully mature. We, we kind of liken it to, to going to school. Whenever you pay your tuition and whenever you sign up for classes, you're devoted. <laughs> you're all in. Uh, you would say you have fully devoted yourself to go to school. But in the years coming, there is a maturing, there is a learning, there is growth as you go to class and as you, as you learn. And that's kind of the same thing, uh, in, in, a, in a sense, as our spiritual walk with God. And so uh, it doesn't matter what stage you're in. Um, you could be in the seeker stage right now. If you are, we welcome you here. We're glad you're here. Uh, you could have just given your life to Christ. And maybe you would say you're kind of in that infant stage. And as you go along in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about the teen stage and the adult stage and the parent stage um, and, and how that looks as we keep going on. The goal for this series is for us to get a good idea of where we're currently at. And that's for me, that's for you, um, and not to try to pretend we're somewhere we're not, but to get a good, honest look at where we are. That's going to be very important because you can't make healthy strides forward until you grasp the reality of where you're currently standing. Um, and so at the end of this series, we're going to put in your hand a Christian maturity assessment tool. We're calling it CMAT for short. Thank you, Jesus, because that's a long, long thing to say. Uh, but it's basically a tool that we can put in your hands where you can answer some questions and, and get a good, honest look at where you're at. The goal is for you to, to get a good, honest look of where you are and then commit to grow. Grow to the next place. God doesn't criticize you. He doesn't criticize Laura because she's just come to Christ. He doesn't criticize you because, uh, because of where you are in that process. But he says grow. Just commit to growing. When you, when you fully devote yourself, you're, you had an inward change. You've been reborn. You've given authority of your life over to God. You've kind of settled that authority issue. But you've committed to grow. And so then maturity follows. First um, Peter 3.18 says this, grow, everybody say grow, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the journey. So we're supposed to grow. Uh, if you're new at the faith thing, then the goal for you is to be a mature newbie. <laughs> and, that, and that's okay. You can be fully mature where you are because we define maturity as being at the appropriate level of development for every stage of life. So it doesn't matter where you're at in that journey. Just be committed to grow. And as long as you're growing, that's what, that's what the Word says to do, then you can be fully mature. And so we're going to go through these different stages. Uh, we're going to talk about them. Um, and, and again, the goal is for all of us in this series to get an understanding of, of where we're at. So uh, we saw Laura in our bumper in the seeker stage last week, but she has just given her life to Jesus Christ. Um, today we saw her make that huge step. Now, again, do you think she knows everything she needs to know at this point? 
do you think she's never going to have another problem? <laughs> and it sounds funny. It's so easy. We, we say no, but it's, you'd be surprised at how often that we get the idea that when we give our lives to Christ, everything's going to be just pie in the sky now. Um, it, that's, in fact, not true because we are all human beings living on this planet called Earth, and we have to face life just like everybody else. The difference is, is we have a new set of lenses to look through as we do. Um, but Laura is at this stage that we call the infant stage. She's taken a first step. It's a great step. Uh, but here's the reality about this stage. If she doesn't commit to grow and go forwards, she'll very easily go backwards. And, and this happens a lot in this stage. We cross that line of faith, but we, we stay so close to that line that we're very easily pulled back unless there's a commitment to grow, unless there's a commitment to move forward. And that's the good news because if she'll commit to grow, and if you've just given your life to Christ, here's the good news. If you'll commit to grow, uh, you'll go forward and you'll have all of the power in heaven on your side. That's good news. Um, so she's gone from a seeker stage to the infant stage. She's new in the faith. Um, as I said before, we've, we've got a lot of Laura's around here because we've had over 170 people just this year say yes to Jesus Christ across all our locations. And so it's very, uh, it, it could be that if you're in the room today, you might be an infant in Christ because you're one of those people that have said yes to Christ. And I'm so glad you did. Here's what I want to tell you. Don't be embarrassed by the stage that you're in. Embrace it. It is a beautiful thing. Here's the temptations for infants. And I'm just kind of speaking to you right now. Uh, the, the, the temptation is to come in and, and think, wow, everyone has it all together. Let me just go ahead and tell you, they don't, okay? I don't. You're, you're looking at a, at a man that doesn't have it all together. Thanks to Jesus Christ is the only reason why I look like I do. Uh, but a lot of people, they come in and they see everybody that seems to have it all together. And so what the, what the temptation is, is to pretend like we have it all together too. And, and if you're an infant in Christ, the temptation is to be, I need to fit in, so I'm going to pretend like I have it all together too. Uh, here's the tragedy. When we would rather pretend that we're in a different stage of maturity uh, rather than embrace the process of actually getting there. And so we live a life, and our Christian walk is like 95% putting on a front, rather than embracing the stage that we're in, because, you know, we, we, we want to try to fit in like everybody else seems to fit in. If we would all just embrace where we're at, I think we could grow together. Would you agree to that? So just embrace where you are, because when people look at where they're not, they miss where they are. And where you are is important. It's important to God. Ultimately, it's, it's important to you because God has blessings for your life now with the stage you're in now. I, I would even say the stage that you're in is uniquely designed just for you because God wants to move you and grow you in ways that are unique only to you. He wants to bless you in ways that are unique only to you. You're not me. I'm not you. So the way that which he speaks to me may not be the exact same in which he speaks to you. The growth that you have in your life may not be the exact same way I grow or the person sitting next to you. That's a blessing. You have a personal God that wants to walk with you on your own journey. Don't miss that because we're looking at where somebody else is and trying to put on a front. Does that make sense? There is absolutely nothing wrong with where you're at if you're in the infant stage. Uh, the fact is, for every single believer, you're either one of two things. You're either in that stage or you're at a place where God wants to use you to help somebody who is. Um, so let's talk about the infant stage. The Bible actually parallels uh, the physical stage of being an infant with the spiritual. And so I, I want to read that to you in 1 John chapter 2. It says this in verse 12. It says, I'm writing you, dear children, say dear children, because your sins have been forgiven. Say sins have been forgiven. Right, dear children, your sins have been forgiven. Keep that in, in, in your mind. 
on account of his name, talking about Jesus. And then he says, I write to you fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men, because you're strong and the word of God lives in you and you've overcome the evil one. He says a few things here pertaining to adults and pertaining to parents, but what indicator does he use for the children there? He says your sins have been forgiven. And did you, did you realize that that's the first thing that happens when you cross the line of faith? Your sins have been forgiven. You're, you're a new person on your spiritual journey. That, that's the very first thing that happens. Your spirit is made clean. Your sins have been forgiven. So you're, you're not a spiritual adult yet. You're not a spiritual parent yet. You're an infant. Being forgiven, it's one of the most beautiful moments in the life of a believer. But crossing that line of faith means that you're an infant in Christ. So I, I want to talk about the natural kind of characteristics of an infant, and then I want to kind of parallel that with, with the spiritual. Can we do that? All right, so if you're an infant in Christ, I want you to know you're in a good place. Commit to grow. God wants to do something amazing in you. But let's, let's talk about what, what an infant is naturally. Uh, first, an infant is responsive. An infant is responsive. From, from the time babies are born, man, they are responding to all kinds of senses that they have now that they didn't necessarily have in the womb. Um, every parent knows the experience of reaching your hand out to an infant and an infant grabbing your finger and squeezing the daylight out of it. You know what I'm talking about? And, and we say, wow, they are going to be a football player, or wow, they are going to, you know, and we make all these assumptions. Maybe, I, I don't know, but one thing we do know is that they're responsive. They are responding to everything all around them. They're, they're alive, right? And we're going to parallel that to the spiritual in just a minute because spiritual infants are alive. They have all these new senses that they didn't really understand before, but Christ did something in them, and now they have an awareness. Uh, second, a natural infant is dependent. It's a known fact, duh, babies can't survive alone. Any mamas and daddies know that? <laughs> they need you. They need you to care for them. They need you to nurture them. They need you to feed them. They need you to cuddle with them. That's also the list probably of the needs that your husband has, but that's a whole other sermon altogether. But one thing we know is that babies can't survive alone. Uh, there was a story I heard recently about a missionary family in the Philippines um, that would take babies from Filipino orphanage, uh, orphanages when they, the baby was about 18 months old, and they would bring them into their home and kind of care for them to kind of get them up to speed for transitioning into adoptive homes. And this was very important because the orphanages there were being extremely overwhelmed with kids to the point that the, the faculty could not adequately care for all these babies. And so what would happen is the babies would cry and nobody would attend to them. They would have the bare minimum of their needs met. They were so overwhelmed. And so nobody answered whenever they cried. They never got any attention. So that by the time this family took these babies in to prepare them for a few months to be transitioned into adoptive homes, they, they didn't cry. They didn't move. They didn't make any sounds. They just laid there because they had gotten used to the fact that when they cried, nobody was coming. They weren't able to play and cuddle and, and have playtime, so their muscle tone was nil. They just they couldn't move. They'd lay there. And you would think that the baby was about four months old, two months old. In actuality, the baby was a year and a half. Now, as this family took them in and they cared for them and they worked with them, babies are resilient. They would bounce back to almost the appropriate level of where they were supposed to be. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that natural infants, they're dependent. And I would even say that, and we would know that if that had continued on, the baby wouldn't survive. And so they need, they're dependent. They, 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 they need people in their lives to care for them for their survival. And that's much like a spiritual infant. 
And we're going to talk about that in a minute. In order to keep going and survive, they need people to surround them, people that are further along, people that can help. Natural infants are dependent. A natural infant is also uh, self-centered because a baby, as cute as they are, they could care less about your needs. <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't care. Have you ever known a baby to care about what time it is in the middle of the night uh, whenever they have a dirty diaper or they want to be changed? They'll cry until you go in there. That's, that's, that's just a fact. Uh, many years ago, there was a little boy who decided to go to the bathroom during church service. And after he went, um, he was in there a little long, and then he came out and opened the auditorium door and proudly announced to everybody that his mother needed to come wipe him. <laughs> That's what, I mean, didn't really care about what mom thought. He just needed his... Uh, his needs met. But that's how little infants and that's how little children are. They live in this world of self. You, you can even tell it by the way kids pray. And I just want to read a couple of prayers that we've collected uh, from kids. Are you ready for this? Um, Dear God, please put another holiday between Christmas and Easter. There's nothing good in there right now. <laughs> Signed, Jenny. Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but I asked for a puppy. <laughs> I never asked for anything before. You can look it up. Joyce. Dear God, I bet it's hard for you to love everybody in the whole world. There's only four people in our family, and I can never do it. <laughs> Nancy. Kids are selfish. That's just what they are. They're born that way. Experts say that this is also the stage where all kinds of things develop. Trust or mistrust, it develops here. A personal sense of responsibility develops here. Self-worth and confidence it, it develops right here. And most of this stuff largely depends on the level of love and the level of nurture that they get at this stage. And this is much like the spiritual journey. When we come in, we've got lots of needs. We have lots of things that we need fixed in our lives. And a lot of times that's the reason why we come to Christ. And so we bring things in from our previous lives that we need help. Um, and we're going to talk about what that means. But let's go back and I want you to look at the, uh, the right-hand column here. We're going to parallel what natural infants do and kind of what spiritual infants uh, do as well. Let's go back and look at them. Natural infants are responsive, but spiritual infants are alive. When an infant is born, remember, it, it responds to everything. They have all these new senses and they're able to experience. Well, when you're spiritually born, you have this understanding and this realization that God has forgiven you and taken your guilt away. You, know, you become alive like you've never experienced it before because of the life that the Holy Spirit is, is living inside of you and he's dwelling on the inside of you and you're actually able, the scriptures say it and people can, can attest to this, I certainly can, uh, you're able to see the truth that you didn't see before. You're able to see the fact that you're not the same on the inside as you used to be. You're, you're, you're able to see, you know what, I, I have peace on the inside of me like I've never had it before. Some people ex, uh, describe it as this big burden being lifted off of them. Does it mean that they don't have normal life anymore? No, it means, again, they're seeing through a different set of lenses. They're, they're actually able to see the truth like they've never seen it before. They know they're alive. The Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians that this kind of truth, it sounds like foolishness to those people who don't believe. They can't even comprehend it. And so have you ever tried maybe to talk to somebody who, who's not a believer, they're, they're not there yet, maybe they're seeking, or maybe they're just far away from God, living life that way, um, and you try to talk to them about this newfound peace that you have, and they just think you're an idiot. <laughs> they want to try to go to old friends and talk about it. They, they may respect you, but they think you're a little bit nuts. Well, the scriptures say this kind of truth can only be found when the Holy Spirit reveals this to you. This is when you actually give your life to Christ and become a fully devoted follower. And the Bible says it sounds like foolishness to those people that, that don't believe. Only God can give you that kind of understanding. Um, life still hurts, but along with the life, it comes this newfound faith. 
and this joy way down deep that spiritual infants have. And it's hard to grasp for those that don't believe. They don't get it. And it sounds like foolishness. Uh, I, I know a family who years ago, they owned a, a barbecue restaurant in another county, and they had owned it for years, and they gave their lives to Jesus Christ. And when they did, they decided to close the restaurant on Sunday. Not saying that restaurants have to close on Sunday, but they decided to. It was a personal conviction. And this was a big deal because Sunday was their absolute biggest day. In fact, I know a lot of church folk who were mad because <laughs> they couldn't go there after, after church was over. But for them, they thought, you know what, this is what we're going to give to God. It was their livelihood. And they actually ended up the next year doing better in business than they ever have <laughs> because they closed the biggest day as a sacrifice to God. This is a true story. Um, a year or two later, this big rig truck lost control on the highway and crashed right into their building. And it critically injured several people, and, and tragically, it killed uh, the owner's son and uh, one of the owner's brothers. And this guy was in his 20s, and it was, it was a tragedy. It was an absolute tragedy. And these, these Christians that were sort of new in the faith, they were on the news, and the news people were there, and they agreed to do an interview on the news, and uh, people were shocked when they began to thank God. They, they did. They, they said, we know that we're in God's will. We know that we're in his hands. And we thank him. We thank him because he has his hand on our lives. Nobody could believe that. Did it mean they didn't hurt? No. It was absolutely not a crutch. In fact, I, I stay in contact with some of these people. And every year, they have to kind of, kind of live that. They're, they're healing. But somebody who's lost somebody like that, they understand that there's, that's a hole that never goes away. Does it mean that they don't hurt? No, it doesn't. Does it mean they didn't have a hard road to face? No, it doesn't. But they faced their hurt, and they walked this road with this newfound awareness that God really was with them, that God really was there, and that they could have hope. And I've seen many stories like this. Infants in Christ, they have this sense, not just of what society tells them, but God truth that gets revealed to them in such a way that they are able to look and grasp life through the lenses of the scriptures and have this hope that they've never had before. Just like natural infants are responsive to everything around them, spiritual infants have a new sense of being alive. They're different and they know. In fact, Paul tells the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he said, listen, we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. <laughs> At one time, we thought of Christ from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anybody who belongs to Christ has become a new person, the old life is gone, and a new life has begun. Natural infants are responsive. Spiritual infants are alive. Maybe you're there today, and you've just crossed that line of faith, and you, you know you're different. You don't have all the answers. You don't have everything figured out, but you know you're alive in a way that you've never been alive before. Let's go to the next one. Natural infants are dependent, and then if you look over, spiritual infants are hungry. They're hungry. They, they don't know a lot necessarily, but boy, do they want to learn. Um, I, I love some of the questions that I get from, from some of these folks. Uh, they'll, they'll ask things like, you know, can you recommend me a Bible? Uh, all I have is the old style or the one that doesn't make any sense. I had a guy recently tell me, um, I, <laughs> it's true, I had a guy recently tell me, I went out and bought a King James, man. I wanted to do it right. And then I realized I couldn't understand a lick of what they were saying. I was like, man, don't worry about it. There's all kinds of different, different translations. And we had that conversation um, Pastor Jim says he used to abbreviate the books of the Bible in his, in his outlines on the screen and, and in people's hands. Um, and so instead of like Corinthians, he would just put C-O-R. So like it would say one C-O-R. Um, and this woman came up to him after service one day and said, can you help me out? 
He said, yeah, sure. She said, I have been looking for first core for the last week, and I cannot find it anywhere. And he said, oh, it's, it's no problem. And so he started putting the full names of, of the Bible's uh, books on the, on the screen. Um, there was a young lady in a, in a new believers class who told a fellow student, uh, when you read the Bible, um, the big numbers represent the chapters and the small numbers represent the verses. And she was so excited to hear this, and evidently so was someone beside her. That they said, get out! Are you kidding? And so, you know, you start there, and that's okay. Some people are far from God, or they just did it when they were a kid, and they're coming back to it now in their adulthood, and they don't know. It's fine. Just as long as you're committed to grow, man, we want to wrap our arms around you and walk with you. There is nothing wrong with the stage that you're in. That, that's where spiritual infants are, and thank God for it. Thank God for it. Um, they're just as innocent and precious as natural children are to God. And that's the truth. Um, a little girl named Jane, she prayed one time, Dear God, what does it mean that you're a jealous God? I thought you had everything. <laughs> questions, this, real questions. I love this one. Dear God, did you mean for a giraffe to look like that or was it by accident? <laughs> Signed, Norma. I think this is my favorite. Dear God, my grandpa said you were around when he was a little boy. Just how far back do you go? <laughs> Dennis. First Peter chapter 2 says, Like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual milk, pure spiritual milk, so that you'll grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Seek it. Ask the questions. Do what you have to do. Learn. It's, it's okay. The scripture says it's okay where you're at. Embrace where you are. Crave and learn the basic truths of God's word. If you're past this stage, maybe you're not an infant in Christ, you need to be asking yourself, what am I doing to help the spiritual infants around me? Because you probably have some people maybe in your group or your circle of influence or your family. If, if you're past this stage, this is not time for you to clock out. It's time for you to ask yourself, what do I need to do, understanding that this is where spiritual infants are? What, I think one of the biggest tragedies is when spiritual teens or adults go to their spiritual infant friends and try to hit them with this hard theology about what God's showing them. Look, they can't get it right now. They're asking what the big numbers and the little numbers mean, okay? Just bear with them. <laughs> you know, I'll never forget walking into the wrong class in college, and I walked into an advanced class, and I was supposed to be in the... the, the the boom, boom one. You know what I'm talking about? Not that one. And I remember like the first 10 minutes, I'm like, I don't need to be in here. I need to get out of here. I need someone to teach on my level because I am not here. Uh, I was in the wrong class. I think sometimes we, we teach and we speak, even though it's truth, we, we teach in a way that they don't need to start there. They need to start somewhere else. And I think we need to be attentive to that. Would you agree? Spiritual infants are dependent, or uh, natural infants are dependent. Spiritual infants are hungry. They want to learn but they got to learn it at the pace and the stage that they are. Um, let's go to the next one. Natural infants are self-centered. Spiritual infants are vulnerable. Kids live in this world of self, but we know that they need so much more than, than just themselves. They need adults to help them. Um, but spiritual infants, they, they've been given a fresh start, and a lot of times what that means is they, they, they bring things from their old lives into this new life, and they need help breaking free. And it's very natural to kind of be self-centered because they need help. They've got all these things in their life that they need help from. They need new friends. They need, they need encouragement. But they need help, not condemnation. Because sometimes it's, it's really easy for a spiritual infant to slip and fall. Um, they don't need condemnation from us. They don't need condemnation from, from people who are further along. They need help. They need encouragement. 
um, natural babies, when they're learning how to walk, man, we, we got our arms out, we're stooping down low, we're just, they take one step, we're so excited, and they fall. We don't go, how, you're ridiculous, how dare you do that? Get back up, you know? No, we pick them up, we brush them off, we encourage them, we smile, we, hey, we did, let them do it again. I'm not belittling any spiritual infants that are in the room, but what I'm telling, if you're not in the spiritual infant stage, and maybe you're past that, don't condemn somebody because they slip and mess up. Well, if they were really a Christian, then they wouldn't have done No, if you were really a Christian, you would understand the words of Jesus Christ, and you would say, you know what, I'm, I'm here to encourage you, I'm here to help you, I'm here to, to gather you up. Am I making sense? We've we got to meet them where they're at. I'm not saying condone sin. Please understand that. But when somebody is genuinely, earnestly struggling and striving after God, I would much rather have that person than somebody sitting in this room faking it and living a completely different life. Be aware of that. Don't condemn them. They're vulnerable. They need someone to help them, come alongside of them, affirm them. So be patient. Be non-judgmental. Pray for them. Encourage them. Help them. Paul understood in the Bible that it was a journey, but it was one that, that could be done. It could be accomplished. This is what he says to us in, in Galatians chapter 2. He says, listen, I quit being a lawman. <laughs> in other words, I quit living in this religious code. And I started being a God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it, and so I identified myself completely with him. My ego, a.k.a. my self-centeredness, it's no longer central in me, but, but now Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine. He had an understanding of that. But it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that's really the goal of any fully devoted follower of Christ, no matter what stage that you're in. And I, I just need to tell you something. I, whatever stage you're in, whatever, however far you are along the way, I want you to understand that. God longs for you to not be religious in the stage that you're in, not look at the religious red tape, not look at the, the so-called law, but become a God-man, become a God-woman, become a God-boy or a God-girl. Sounds kind of fun. But God, he wants so much more for you because at, at the center of, of, of law, at the center of religion, of Jesus hated that stuff. He did. In fact, he spoke out against it. He would embarrass some of the religious leaders because... They were just so full of this red tape. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to stick with this and stick with that. And it's not that, that Jesus just condoned people doing whatever and living however. But, but he condoned people condemning each other, especially people that said that they were gods. <laughs> he wanted us to be real with each other. And if you got struggles, show them. Don't, don't be irresponsible with it, but be vulnerable a little bit. Ask people to come alongside and help. Strive after God. That's, that's how I define my journey with God. I struggle after Him because I'm in no way perfect. I, I, could, I could put on the screens some of the things that go through my mind and some of the things that I struggle with sometimes. And maybe it would embarrass me, but maybe it would prove a point that, you know what? I struggle after God. I do because I'm a human being and I'm not perfect. And I would encourage you as you go along to admit that. Admit it to yourself. And let's figure out what stage we're in. If we're in the infant stage today, then that's where you're at. Embrace it. Maybe some of this stuff I've been talking about related to you today. But whatever stage you're in, whatever stage you are as you walk down this, this journey, this path of maturity, I need to say this as I close. You need a family. Do not do it by yourself. You need a family. Spiritual infants, definitely, you need a family. Um, 
and maybe I'm preaching to the choir here, but a lot of people say that, you know, you don't have to be a, a Christian um, and then go to church. You don't have to, to do that in order to be a Christian. And, and that's true. I, I, would, I would agree with that. But what I would say is this. You, you don't have to, uh, in order to play sports, you, you can play sports by yourself. You can high-five yourself. <laughs> you can give yourself pep talks. You can, you can do all kinds of stuff. The point I'm trying to make is just because it's possible doesn't mean that it's, that it's better. You need a family. You need someone to come alongside of you. You need some, somebody to plug into. And I just, I want to plug bridge groups right here because this is getting ready to be a huge part of our church. Maybe some of you are already in bridge groups uh, in some form or fa- fashion. Um, we, we have a good time here on Sunday morning, but if, if growing in maturity with people, it's never going to happen here. What you're going to get here is about the top 2% of someone's reality. <laughs> That's it. You're going to get a high five. You're going to get a welcome. And then you're going to sit here for about 30 minutes and not talk to anybody. <laughs> and then you're going to leave. That's okay. You need this. You do. And we, we put a lot of effort in what happens on Sunday morning. But we're not naive enough to think that this is your spiritual journey and it consists of an hour on Sunday morning. That would be completely insane to think that. Maybe it's a good shot in the arm for you on Sunday, but your livelihood, your journey, your maturity is going to happen in relationships with people. And we believe that to the core. Otherwise, we're just going to be a, a crowd drawer. We don't want to be that. And so in September, we're going to start promoting bridge groups. We've been working for the last several months, training leaders and uh, training the current leaders that were already leading groups and getting some more. Um, and you'll have several groups to choose from to get in. And, and we're not asking you to commit forever. We're asking you to commit for three months. And then we're going to do them again. And we're going to start over. And we're, this is how we're going to do this with the goal of you coming to a service on Sunday and then you're a part of, of a family during the week. And you're going to be learning God's Word together. Some of them are, are interest groups. Some of them are study-based groups where you study the, the actual Word of God. Um, we've got just a different subject. We have nine groups here at the Bridge Goldsboro. And they have different uh, ones for the other locations for their folks. But we have nine here, and we want you to we want you to get involved. And we have set limits for them capacity-wise because we want them to stay small so that you can actually go and actually feel comfortable sharing and, and building relationships with people. They're going to start in October, but through September, you're going to have time to hear about them and commit to one. There was a, a, a church I served at years ago, and there was a guy named Ernie, and I love Ernie. Ernie's about six foot eight, and uh, I, always, I look up to Ernie, okay? And um, Ernie, he, he had been to church a long time since he was a boy. And Ernie was a little bit steeped in tradition in a good way because he understood the heart of God, but he was held fast to the traditions. And, and groups was not a thing that they did when Ernie was coming up. You came to church and the, the fire of God fell and they cast demons at a Coke machine. I mean, that's how Ernie grew up. Um, nothing wrong with that. But that's, that's somewhat my heritage and I love it. We understand that we have to reach people a different way today. And so we started groups at the church I was serving at, and Ernie was skeptical. <laughs> and I said, just give, give it a shot. And, and he said, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, the groups met for eight weeks, and at the end of eight weeks, we had this big event all together where everybody who was involved in group came and had this big lunch together, and we did it up. And, and at, kind of toward the end of that lunch, I said, does anybody want to stand up and just talk about what groups has meant to you? Um, this past eight weeks. Some of them had been in group before. Some of them, it was their first time. We had all ages in there, everybody from, you know, a teenager all the way to, I don't know, 60, 70 years old, some people were. And Ernie was sitting there, and I saw Ernie's hand go up. 
And I didn't know what Ernie was getting ready to say. And he stood up, and this is, this is what he said. He said, if I had known a long time ago what I know now, I would have been in group. Everybody at this church needs to be in group. This is a man that was further along in his faith. This is a man who, by all stretch of the imagination, you would have said, you know, he's, he's okay. What I want to tell you this is if Ernie found value in group, then anyone along the path, no matter where you are, can find value in group. There's more people in our church today, the Bridge Goldsboro, that is asking about groups than ever. I want, I want you to know that th- there's a reason for that. People need other people. You need other people. Hear me. You may sit there going, I don't need anybody. You need other people. You got to be plugged in. The, the, the Word of God describes us, the church, as a body that's serving each other, that is in relationship with each other. And, and maybe I'm the voice because I'm the mouthpiece and I, I stand here and maybe you could describe me as, as the mouth. What would it look like if none of the arms were working and the legs were working and, and I was just kind of pulling us all along trying to, you know, what, how stupid would that look? But what would happen if we all joined in together and, and joined in as a, as a body and encouraged each other and, and gave to each other in, in time and in relationship and we started growing as a church? That'd be a healthy body, wouldn't you say? That's how God describes us. We have nine bridge groups getting ready to start. Don't miss out on what God wants to do in you through one of these. I'm going to say a prayer for us today. And uh, if you're here today, I, I want to kind of do this a couple different ways. Maybe you're an infant in Christ. I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for you for strength. I want to pray for you that, that these truths have kind of hit you and that you've related to them. Um, and that you have confidence in embracing where you're at. You can hold your head high and be proud and commit to keep going. And I also want to pray for anybody else in a different stage that, that you'll start to really see infants in Christ, not as just somebody else in the group, but that you'll take on a responsibility because we're a body. And that we'll look to some of these spiritual infants and go, you know what, I want to do everything I can to help. Can we do that? Let's pray together. God, we, we thank you for all that you are. And our, our prayer team's coming up, church, right now. If you want prayer during this time, please Please don't hesitate to come up and ask for prayer. We have people that will pray for you today. God, I, I know we're all in different stages. I know we're all in different places along the journey. Lord, and, and you see us as a beautiful montage of backgrounds and makeups and, and ages and, and minds and personalities. It's beautiful to you. It shows your creative nature. God, but it also shows your love. Because as unique as we all are, and as unique as all our stories are, Lord, you have a unique journey for each of us so that we can look to you and know that there's no one like me or no one like anybody in the room. And so when we look to you, it's unique. And it's pure. And it's, it's something that we can be proud of. So Lord, for all the infants in the room, the spiritual infants who have just crossed that line of faith recently, I, I pray for strength in them. God, I, I pray for just a... <laughs> for a godly boastfulness in you. I mean, I, I just want them to be so proud of where they are. Yeah, there's people all along the journey in this room and people that they know, but God, I, I, I pray for just a, a, a confidence in where they are, a proudness in where they are. I want them to hold their head high going, I am an infant in Christ and I can't wait to grow. I pray that in the name of Jesus. I pray the fear go away. I pray the intimidation go away. 
Lord, in, in Jesus' name, I pray the jealousy or the, the intimidation, the temptation to compare, I, I pray you obliterate that right now in the name of Jesus. And let there just begin to be a pride in them, a godly pride in what Jesus has done for them. Show them the, the, the specialness of what they have. Lord, I pray for everybody else in the room that's, um, that's maybe not in that stage. Maybe they're a little further along in some stage. I pray they take seriousness of what your word says to help. I, I pray that they would have a, a newfound responsibility, a mindset that says we're all a body. It's not just about me and my growth. It's about reaching up to get help from people who are further along than me and reaching back to help and pour into what I've learned and what I know now so that by the time this is all over with and, and you return, you find a body of Christ that's helping each other and learning from each other and iron sharpening iron and rubbing shoulders. Lord, I, I pray for those in the room who are struggling with this whole bridge group thing. It's, it's, it's a new concept for some people because right here in, in our kind of neck of the woods in this part of the country, religion's about going to church on Sunday. I thank you that you're not religious. And what I mean by that is you're real. You, you give life. And how dare we label you with a word, one word. You're, you're so much more than that. And I pray that as we walk forward, that we would value relationships with each other. Your word said that outsiders would know you by the love that we show each other. So I pray that we wouldn't run from that, but have the opportunity and, and, and just dive into to relationships with each other and take advantage of what our church is, is doing for that. If there's anybody in the room now who's, who's maybe never given their life to Christ and who's interested now to say, you know what, I, I believe God's speaking to me and I want to give my life to him today. I want to say yes to him. I want to be a fully devoted follower. I want, if you pray this prayer with me, God, I need you. My, I can't do it myself. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I, I can't make it to heaven without you. I can't stand in front of a perfect God in a perfect heaven. And when asked on what merit can I get in, say me. <laughs> I might do a few good things on earth, but I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. So I, I need you. And I believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth to die for me. A perfect person who lived a, a perfect life in the face of the same temptations I face, but yet did it perfectly, never sinned, and died for me in my place. The Bible says the, the, the cost of my sin was death, and Jesus paid that for me. So I accept him as my perfection. I believe he really died and I believe he really rose again. And I want new life in him. I believe that in faith today. And I want to aim my heart at him. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Can we say amen together?